0: Now is the time for something new to happen. It's interesting. Joshua was preparing the people to go into the promised land, but it was going to be an adventure for them like they had never had before. Truly, they didn't have a home. They were nomads. They were out living in tents. They were in the desert. There was nothing that was solid for them. Sometimes you in your life will be in transition, and everything you have known and has been solid gets all shook up. Sometimes plants close, sometimes families move, sometimes promotions come and people go. There's all kinds of change that happens out there. Sometimes it's death, sometimes it's divorce, sometimes there's other things that take place. And there brings change in every one of our lives. And sometimes those changes are wonderful, but other times those changes can be just earth-shattering because everything we thought was secure around us now gets all shook up. That's why, as believers, we know the only thing that truly stays the same is the Lord. Everything changes. Everything ages. Everything has some timing that changes in everybody's life. That So instead of us seeing all the old habits going on, we're forced even at times to make those changes. Now, it's better when we choose to make a change than when we're forced to make a change. It is. It's just better when we choose to do something like that. Other times, change almost gets forced down our throat. And so you hear people say, or even there's a phrase that says, you know, change is good. Well, I got to tell you, sometimes if it's godly change, you will see that it is good. But other times there's change that comes to try to just ruffle your feathers and mess you up. That's why we have to have God leading the direction. That's why God has to set the tone for every one of our lives. We are not in this alone. We have a Lord and a Savior who paid for our sins. We have a God who has a plan for all of mankind. And we have a Holy Spirit that lives and dwells in us who will show us God's plan. Aren't you glad for the Holy Ghost? Now, these people were getting ready to go into the promised land. It was going to be adventure. But I love how he uses the phrase here, you have never gone this way before. Now, you might think, well, pastor, I got the same job. I've got the same family. I live in the same house. What do you mean? How can I be going into a new place, someplace that I've never gone before? You see, all of us in this room, we are different than what we were yesterday, Sometimes we can't recognize it. There's a little change that's going on, but we're different. Something begins to change. And sometimes those changes are so subtle that you don't notice them going on. Other times they're very abrupt. But I want you to realize it's not about just making a huge change, but it's about being open to God and the changes he wants to bring about in our life joshua had never led a group of people before and now he had hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people he was going to be leading into the promised land you know sometimes responsibility can be scary Sometimes even though people say, oh, I want to be a leader, I want to do this, I want to be in charge, I've always listened. And and when presidents retire from their job, whether it was one term or two term, if you ever read some of their books, most of them all talk about how when they entered into that office, the gravity of what they were going to be doing settled into their lives, and they realized they needed the hand of God to guide them. Now, sometimes they've made great mistakes, sometimes they've made great wonderful decisions. I thought it was interesting in one particular president's book, he wrote about how that when he had his first full night in the White House, that he called Billy Graham on the phone and he says, I want you to come. He said, I have not been a man of prayer, but I need the presence of God for the leadership of this nation. Billy Graham went up, he stayed in the White House for one week praying with the president, praying with his family, and all these changes that were going to come about because he knew there was a need for the hand of God. It's our job as Christians, the Bible tells us, to pray for those in leadership. So really, we, as we seek out God, can see all kinds of changes happen. But many times Christians don't. Well, that's not my party. I don't support them. I don't like that. Next election, then I'll begin to pray. Nothing happens except believers pray. Nothing changes except believers pray and stand in faith. And while some folks think, no, 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 I'm still the same person, Pastor. I've always been this way. You know, there are some traits that we still always have. You just do. You just have them. They're part of who you are. But then there's other things that get tweaked and turned and changed. See, whether you were in bondage to something and Christ came into your life, he made you free. Whether you were pleasing to God or not, you can choose to be pleasing to God. You are the same person that's on the inside as a spirit being, and yet you're learning how that spirit operates. Because when you got born again, your body stayed the same, but your spirit was transformed. So I'm learning something new every day, aren't you? Don't you still learn something new every day? There's new things that are out there. No, everything's the same in my life, everything's the same every day. Blah, 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 blah you're in the right place today because everything's getting ready to change. Change is going on. And yet God still over and over through his words tells us the importance of continuing to hold the standards that we've had and to honor those men and women who've gone before us that have given us a godly standard. And yet he tells us to press ahead to see the plans of God. The guards go through, the leaders in the army, and they say to everybody, listen, we're getting ready to go across, you need to sanctify yourself. Sanctify is one of those theological terms that really means set yourself apart. Take some time right now, set yourself apart. If if you need to repent about some things, repent and get it done. You don't want to be carrying the old garbage in to a new place. Sometimes we hold on to old hurts or old failures. Sometimes we hold on to old stories that people tell us of what we can't do because we're disqualified because of blank. The blood of Jesus changes everything. It's a game changer. It's something that goes on that makes all the difference in a person's life. So he says, listen, I want you to sanctify yourself. Some of these people had never done anything like that before. They weren't trained by their parents to do it, and they were going to have a change that was going to happen. And he was saying to them, when you separate yourself, you separate yourself from the world's standards. The world says all kinds of things are okay. But, you know, we've got to be led by the Word of God. And sometimes just because the world says it's okay doesn't mean it's okay for us. Yeah, but I don't want to be different than everybody. Yes, you do. You want to be different, and yet don't you want to be the same? I always think it's funny when you see people, uh, and I don't know any of the teenagers, I don't see, your daughter's away at school right now, so I don't see any different colored hair. It's normal this week? I don't even remember what her hair color was. But, you know, years ago when old women would go in to get their hair colored, sometimes you'd see old women that they would get their hair colored and it was purple. It wasn't dark anymore. It was purple. And they were just so proud of it. I went to the beauty parlor. And you look and you're thinking, you have purple hair. Now here it is 40 years later and purple is in. Those old grandmas didn't know what they were doing. They set a fashion trend right there. Now, guys, for the most part, don't color their hair. We were at a ministry training meeting one time, and there was a guy who was from Spokane, Washington, and he was always gray-headed, and he came into the meeting, and it was as brown as brown could be. And as he walked in, everybody just sort of went like this. (laughs) And he looked at all of us, other ministers, and he said, what? What are you looking at? He said, it is Walgreens number 11 color. He said, I want to be hip. I want to be young to the young people in my church. And I went up to him afterwards. I said, did you think they forgot what you used to be? (laughs) People do all kinds of things. Change happens like that. But I'm telling you, it's not about just the silly things we do culturally. What's in, what's out. How high you wear your pants, how low you wear your pants. And if your pants are low, pull them up. (laughs) Nobody wants to see your underwear anyway. Okay, pastor, you're showing you're old now. I know it, but I'm right. (laughs) Something else happens here. He says, listen, everybody, when you see the Ark of the Covenant moving, I want you to keep a distance between it and you. Now, a distance of about a half a mile. You can still see a half mile from you. Why is that so important? Because he was saying there's something about the reverential fear of God that's really important. What do you mean the reverential fear of God? Maybe some of you grew up in a church when you were kids that when you walked into the worship auditorium like this, you were told, shh, be quiet. We're in God's house. Don't run. Don't do this. Don't do that. We're in God's house. And people came in. So the old saying came up, man, it's just quiet as a church. Man, just quiet as a church. I guess they've not been here. We're not pretty quiet for most of the time. In fact, we don't Try to discourage people from saying amen or worshiping or giving God glory. We want you to express your heart before God. Culture changes. Things change back and forth. But it's important to realize this, that there is this reverential fear of God that whether your kids run in the hallway or not, we don't want them to run because they can knock somebody over. But it's not because they're in God's house, because the scriptural truth is they are God's house. It happens. John, your wife's in teaching today, so I'm going to tell you a little story. There was one day, your, your wife grew up here. From the moment we started the church, she was a little girl back in 1985. And so when we built this building, she was still pretty young. And the coat racks that are out here, she used to hang on them and just hold herself up in the air like that. When your two boys were younger, they were out here one day and... Everybody was putting coats on. And I was up here in the lobby and I was walking down. And I saw your wife look at her and say, stop hanging off that bar. And I walked by and I leaned into Gloria's ear and I said, you want me to tell them you used to do that? There's some good things when you've been here for 30 years. She looked at me and she said, no. We do what we do because it's part of who we are. But just going into a church building does not sanctify you. God sanctifies you. God changes your heart. He changes your life. This reverential fear of God, we don't worship the man upstairs. We don't worship the big guy. We don't worship, and whatever phrase or term wants to be given, we worship the creator of all the universe. We create in our hearts a place of honor and respect that we're here to worship God. And what was happening was they were saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant move, follow after it, because that represented God's presence on the earth. That was a big thing back then. The Ark was something that was a truly beautiful piece of furniture, if you would but it wasn't something that was supposed to be worshipped, but it represented what they were worshipping, and that is Jehovah God, our mighty God, creator of all the earth. So when they saw that, they knew. They found that their relationship to God was distant because they couldn't at that time. They were with sin, there wasn't a savior. They couldn't have a personal relationship to God. Thank God for Jesus. He made it possible that every one of us can personally know the Lord and have His Spirit live in our lives. So as these people were getting ready for an adventure that was going to happen, they were told to follow the presence of God. The promises of God have been given, and now it's time for every single one of us, by using His Word, by taking the promises God's given us, it's time for us to walk by faith. It's time for us to chase after the things of God. Stay in this same chapter, and let's go on here, starting at verse 6. And Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all of Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And you shall command the priest who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gigashites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold the ark of the covenant of the Lord, of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore, take for yourselves 12 men from the tribes of Israel, remember there were 12 tribes of Israel, uh, one from one man from every tribe, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest who bear the ark of the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan that the waters of the Jordan will be cut off and the waters will come down from upstream, the waters that come down from upstream and they shall stand as a heap. And so it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priest bearing the ark of the covenant before the Lord. And as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priest who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water of the Jordan because the Jordan overflows all of its banks during the whole time of the harvest, that the waters which would came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zaratan. So the waters that went down into the sea of Arahab, the salt sea, had failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priest who bore the Ark of the Covenant, he starts to give more detail, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground. Now remember, it said here that they went out and stood in the water. They dipped their feet in the water, and now all of a sudden the water is stopped. And the water goes up in a heap. Something else takes place here. The ground begins to dry underneath their feet. Have you ever been out on a beach? And even if you wore your flip-flops out on the beach and you were walking along and water came up beside you and came and actually flowed over your feet, a little sand went underneath you like this, your feet were still wet even though you were wearing flip-flops. Imagine these people wearing sandals, carrying the Ark of the Covenant, going out into the river, and now it begins to say that they stood on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all of Israel, verse 17, crossed over on dry ground. How in the world could that happen except that we have a miraculous, miracle-working God? Hallelujah, because you know if water's been out there, if you've ever been any place that the waters have gone down in a flood area, the ground is still spongy and soaked in. It's still wet. The miracle power of God. These priests were now standing with dry feet. They weren't wet anymore. Why is that so significant? They had to have dry ground to move all those people across. They weren't all sticking in the mud, trying to pull their feet up, being stopped. They were moving across. Their animals with them, everything else. Chapter 4, look at verse 1. And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan and from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. And you shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you will take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. That this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer, uh, you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial for the children of Israel. And the children of Israel did so, just as Joshua commanded and took up the twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord had spoken to Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priest who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there to this day. Verse 10. So the priest who bore the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua, and the people hurried and crossed over. Why is it so important to know that the ark stood there in the water till everyone got across? I want you to know that no matter where you are in your journey today, if you have made Jesus Lord of your life, he never leaves you nor forsakes you. You are not in this thing alone even if your circumstances have changed, even if you have been taking a walk of faith and you've been trusting God in the unknown realm, but yet you know God has led you, I want you to know he will not stop until he he is finished. He will get you across your Jordan. He will get you across the things that at one time stopped you if you will put your faith and trust in God. The children of Israel were going to see something they had never seen before. Here they are right across from Jericho. You know what happened to Jericho. Man, they marched around the city of Jericho. The last day they went around seven times, and then they shouted to the Lord. And they shouted and gave God glory. And in that process, the trumpets were sounding, the voices were raised, and the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. That's not possible in the natural. That's not possible the way that Jericho was built. Jericho was built so that truly up on the very top of the wall that there could be the width of a chariot that could be driven across the top of that wall, the thickness of everything that went on in that place. It was sturdy. I want you to know sometimes you're going to hit some resistance that is sturdy. But know this, if God told you you're supposed to break through, it's time to break through. Hallelujah. Don't you love it how God made that He said, listen, don't say anything when you walk around all these other times but the last day. Why were there so much fear in Jericho? Listen, everybody that was in Jericho saw the waters back up. They saw that there was no more water in the Jordan, and all these people were coming across on dry land. All the sentries and the scouts that were up on the top of the wall saw this and said to them, the people knew something was happening. They knew that God was getting ready to do something themselves. We know that story because when the spies had gone and checked things out and had looked at things, they came back and they said, hey, uh, listen, we found a woman, and she was a harlot. She was a prostitute and yet she opened up her home to us and let us hide in her house. And the scriptures talk about how she had flax up on her rooftop. Working with flax was not something that just anybody did, but it was something that scripture always talks about as being a virtuous woman. But pastor, you mean she was running a a whorehouse? She was running a place of ill repute? She was doing these things, and yet God still used her? Let me tell you something. Don't discount people just because of what they do. Wait a minute, wait a minute, pastor. There's supposed to be fruit coming out of their life. You mean you want us to be hanging out with all these people? I'm telling you, you need to know this, that God is trying to reach every person in this world. And sometimes they're in a mess. Sometimes they made decisions that were bad decisions, and right now they're in a place that their life is an embarrassment to them and to everybody else. But let me remind you that what God did for Rahab the harlot, eventually she was going to be considered in part of the genealogy of Jesus' family. Yeah, but you know, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I go to church. I do all these things. I'm good. I'm not like them. Anyone without Jesus is like them. And before you start thinking about how good you are, remember you're saved by the grace of God, not because you are good enough. Glory to God. You and I are not good enough. It's the grace of God. Something miraculous happens so that when the walls of Jericho are crumbling down, all of a sudden here is one section of the walls that stand up that didn't fall down, and Rahab and all of her family was inside. You mean everything else collapsed? Yes, must have been good structural walls at that point. No, it was the hand of God. She even hung a red cord in the window of her place, to signify, to signify, to signify that that was a mark, that a promise had been given by the men of God that she would survive. You know what? You and I make promises to people. We need to keep our word as best we possibly can. We need to do our part. I know sometimes there are circumstances that stop a person, but this is important. Today, if nothing else, today, a new day is starting for all of us. We need to keep our word to God and to our fellow man. We need to keep our word to other people that are around us. If we give our promise, we need to act on our promise. That's big. Because God is going to keep his promise to all of you. Hallelujah. If you've had people through the years, or maybe you came from a church, that someone told you God's not going to do that for you. I'm here to tell you all things are possible because of Jesus Christ. And so if you were told to put your dream out that you'll never reach it, you'll never accomplish it, you'll never do it because certain things that have happened, I'm here today to remind you to go with me as we have gone through this scripture. Go with me to all the rest of the word we're going to look at today and see that God is the God of restoration and power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Something amazing took place. This miracle happened, as I mentioned, about the dry ground, about everything that happened. The conversions that were going to take place were going to be conversions that would happen in people's hearts because they knew there was a God. They believed that, as Joshua said, everybody be quiet as we go around Jericho. Everyone was quiet. Why? Because they recognized the anointing of God upon his life don't be afraid of your tomorrow. Let it be an adventure. I know maybe sometimes you get a bad report medically and you think about what's ahead of you. Got to tell you something. You don't know how the hand of God's going to move tomorrow. He may raise you completely up from that bed of sickness and you'll never have a symptom of it ever again in your life. He may use doctors. He may use medicine. He may use divine healing. But I'm telling you, just because you feel and act a certain way right now today does not mean that you'll always be that way, that God still has a plan. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. I, I can't think about my life without the blessing my wife and I have experienced with our girls. But you know, when we were still in Mississippi, as we've said this before, my wife had a miscarriage we lost a child while we were down there serving as youth pastors. Now, we had all kinds of people encouraging us, our family back here on the phone with us, family that was in Texas encouraging us. We had some people say to us, now, you know, maybe you're not supposed to have children. Maybe this is a sign from God that you're not supposed to have kids. Boy, talk about discouragement. And yet we had other people. The uh, lady who owned the daycare right next to our house was part of our church. And she came over in our house. When my wife got out of the hospital, she came over and she just, bless her heart, Barbara Henson was her name. And she reached over and grabbed Tanya's hand and she was just patting it. She's just a perfect little southern lady. She was a woman like this. Sometimes she'd get bumps on her hand. And she said, I just know this. I'm going to be like the old Pentecostal women. I put my hand out and I slapped my hand in the name of Jesus and those bumps go down. And you know they always did. Man, she was a woman of faith. She was patting Tanya's hand and she looked at her and she said, Now, honey, she said, When did the doctor say that you could start having relations? Such a nice southern term. You know, at that point I'm in the room with her and I'm all of a sudden getting embarrassed and turning red at that point. She goes, Go get me. She looked at me, she says, Go get the calendar. And so she, I brought the calendar in, gave it to Miss Barbara, and she sat down and she said to Tanya, what was the timing, how many weeks, this kind of thing? And so Tanya told her, and she took and she marked on the calendar, made a big circle, and she said, that's the day you start trying again. That was like putting oxygen back into both of our hearts. That was taking everything our family had been saying and encouraging us with, and all those words that we were hearing that were right, her circling that date on the calendar was something that helped block out all the bad things to say that you're not supposed to have kids. Now we were, we were determined that God was going to get the glory. Hallelujah. And you know, before you know it, boom, Rachel comes along. Hallelujah. When I held her in my arms, I knew she was part of the promise of God. God. I'm here to tell you, even if you have some losses along the way, don't give up. It's just a loss. It doesn't mean that a future victory is not out in front of you. The future we get from sin, well, it it messes us up. But the future we get from God and his righteousness, it makes us whole. It makes us changed and different. Sometimes, you know, if you're living in a particular sin and someone confronts you on it and says to you, you don't need to be doing this. We're so into it, we can't see that they're right. Don't condemn me. Don't judge me. Who are you to say this? You know, there's other people that do this. It's not that big of a deal. We're too close to the sin. But if you will choose to get in the righteousness of God, before you know it, if this is sin, and you choose to get in the righteousness of God, and you're chasing after him, all of a sudden you're going to turn around one day and go, I did that? Boy, that was the dumbest thing. Wonder why I couldn't see it. Sometimes we get too far in, and we can't see that what we're doing is wrong. It's all right to have the Word tell us we're doing something wrong. Oh, I don't want to be under the law. Yes, you are. You're under the law of righteousness in Christ. You were freed from the law of sin and corruption. There's still law in the world today. But we don't get saved by the law. We get saved by grace. The Ten Commandments didn't go out of fashion. The Ten Commandments are still true. We still keep those things in front of us. So then how do we make this all work together? How does it gel? Well, let's go back in the New Testament to the book of Hebrews, chapter 4. Hebrews, chapter 4. I'm so thankful the Word of God liberates us. I'm so thankful the Word of God changes everything if we'll give it over to Him. And in Hebrews chapter 4, take a look at verse 14 through 16. Verse 14 through 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hold fast to your confession of faith. What's your confession of faith? What you are believing for. Even if in the natural, it looks impossible. Those waters looked impossible to get across. The ground was flooded, as it said, in that harvest time, and yet God was going to bring them across on dry ground. Could they have possibly waded across? Could they have possibly made boats and moved across? Sure they could have. There could have been other options. But God was determined to show them his hand and his power that they were going to go across a riverbed on dry ground. Glory to God. You know, all you have to do is drive out this way on John Deere Road, and you see how the Rock River is out of its banks, and you see some of that ice up in the fields and things, and you know here it's wintertime, and we've had flooding that's taken place. It's slowly gone down that's out there in the water, and you that live along it, you know that there's been a slow recession, but now you've got all the ice still sitting there. I want you to know you have a supernatural God too. And where things have looked impossible... Put your faith out there for the supernatural move of God. What do you have to lose? Well, what if it doesn't happen? What if it does? When you believe it, that's where the power of God goes into operation. It's not just a hope that's out there someplace. Hope says maybe. Hope says I might do this. Hope says I know it can, but I'm not sure it'll work for me. Faith says I am convinced that what God has said he is going to do, just like he did for Joshua, he is going to do for me hallelujah hallelujah see we need the old things as well as the new praise the lord what's he do he says the guys pick up stones now this wasn't like the stuff in our parking lot These were huge that were put up on their shoulders. They were put there, why, on the edge of the river and the edge of where they camped. Why was that there? Because it was to be a memorial and remind them of what God has done. We have a living memorial every time we open up our Bibles. We have a living memorial that reminds us of the truth of God, that what the Lord did for them, he will do for you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yet, you know, there's even Christians out there saying, well, the day of miracles is over, Pastor. You know, it died with the last apostle. The last apostle's not dead. We still have apostles working in the body of Christ today. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Oh, Pastor, you know, we don't have those gifts anymore. Oh, so there's no more apostles? There's no more prophets? So that gets rid of the supernatural? There's no more evangelists. Well, they don't really do that. People don't have evangelistic meetings anymore. Pastor, you know, you better count your days because you're next. (laughs) Pretty soon, zip, you're out of here. Don't need you. Teachers, well, you can teach the Word if you want to, but maybe Jesus will come back before you're gone. We got rid of the other four. We still have apostles. We still have prophets. We still have evangelists, pastors, and teachers. What for? As the Word says, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Until the Lord comes again, you are needing me. And I'm needing you. And just like I need a pastor and have a pastor that ministers to me, we are all in this thing together. Praise the Lord. You're real excited about it. What, we're stuck with you? Aren't you leaving one of these days? Don't you just love me? That was a good place to say Amen. Those listening on the internet, if you're looking for a pastor, how much will you pay? No. You know I'm just having fun with you. The truth is we as the body of believers have been given a supernatural gospel. So if we have a supernatural gospel, let's use it. Let's not just set it on the shelf and say, well, you know, someday we'll use that. No, we have the power of God right now. We have a change that's gone on. And we need to look back and see the blessings we have, but we need to press forward. Hallelujah. Yeah, but Pastor, doesn't the word say don't look back? Don't look behind you like this? Don't be like Lot's wife and turn into a pillar of salt? I'm not wishing for the old days. I'm believing for God's best yet ahead. But I know what I have learned, and I'm thankful, and I celebrate it. But I'm moving ahead for all that God has. Just like the children of Israel had never gone that way before, I want to go where God has never taken me before. Praise the Lord. I want to see people come up to be prayed for and growths fall off their body. I want to see ambulances pull out in front of our building with folks that have had the doctors say there's no chance of anything else, but they get prayed over and they walk out of here and the, uh, the bed they were carried in on chases after them because they are healed and whole. Well, but we don't hear like things like that happening. The Bible said in the last days, I'll pull my spirit out on all flesh. That means you and me. It's time for us to press into our prayer life, into our faith walk, into everything that God's given us, and say, Lord, your word made this promise. Now, we're not going to let go. It's true that people die while they're here on this earth, and they will move to heaven. There is a time for every one of us here on the earth, but we don't need to help sickness to take us prematurely. We need to stand and believe and put our faith and trust in God. Let's look over uh, just a few pages back in your Bible to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Spirit, soul, and body. Would you take your hand and just lift it up with me? Just now put a little fist together and we're going to say these three together. Spirit, soul, and body. You are a three-part being, just like God, God the Father, God the Son. God, the Holy Spirit. So when people sit back and say, well, how could we be created in God's image and likeness? You are a spirit being. You have a soulish area, your mind, your emotions, and your will, and you live in this body. Aren't you so glad that even a scripture, when we talk about end times with the rapture and the second coming, how that the Bible says that when that moment happens, the trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ, the bodies that are in the graveyard or in the uh, cremation urns or wherever they're going to be in the bottom of the sea because they were sailors and sharks ate them up. And later on, they were left as refuse on the bottom of the water cool part is when the, trumpels, when the trumpet sounds, all of that is going to be lifted up and transformed. Now, if God is concerned about rotting flesh being transformed, I'm telling you, he is concerned about you right now. Hallelujah. You, and I better make that clarified. If he's concerned about rotting flesh, listen, when you go to heaven, you're not going to be zombies. It might be a popular TV show, The Walking Dead, or some of you are really into some of those things. Just want to tell you, you're not going to be in heaven walking around. (laughs) Whoopee, who wants to go to that? Well, Pastor, it'd be cool to be like, you know, a wild Halloween party. You're not going to be this. way. You're going to be glorious. Well, that would be pretty cool. That'd be glorious. No. That's that's just nothing but Hollywood, okay? (laughs) It's just makeup and all the rest. Nobody is really zombies. I just know I might have busted a few bubbles there, but it's okay. They needed to be busted. You are going to be wholly transformed and complete. And this body that you have here will be so transformed that when it meets up with your heavenly body, we're going to know each other in heaven. We're going to recognize each other, but it's going to be completely transformed. Glory to God. Now, why do we talk about these three-part beings? Because sometimes we have a battle in our brain. We know what we believe spiritually. Amen. I believe the Word of God. Hallelujah. But sometimes our brain tells us why we can't. Our brain tells us that's not logical. That can't happen. That would defy these certain rules that are out here in the world. You can't do this. I'm telling you, God is a supernatural God. And I don't care how deep the cancer is. I don't care how far gone the lungs are. If you put your faith and trust in God, you will see His hand move in your life praise the Lord. Yeah, but they've told me I've got this disease. I'll never be able to breathe right every time that this happens in the weather. I've got this disease in my toes, pastor. I've got this in my knee. I've got this in my back. I've got this in my elbow. It's a chronic disease. Don't you know it's never going to end? But we have a supernatural God. Let's start pushing our faith. Yeah, but my faith is just, you know, help me survive. Just let me survive, Lord. Okay, if that's where you are, that's what we're going to start with. We're going to work with that. But let's get more built up inside of us. Amen. Nobody's here pointing the finger at you saying, well, if you didn't do this, you wouldn't be this way. We don't do that in this church. If you're dealing with something, we're going to stand beside you and believe with you and trust God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We are spirit, soul, and body. God wants leadership in our life, in every part of it, spirit, soul, body. God wants to lead you in your mind. If there are things of doubt and fear, maybe you were abused mentally. Maybe you had someone who took advantage of you and said horrible things to you. Maybe you weren't raised in a home full of love and care and compassion. Maybe you were told you were stupid all the time or that you'd never amount to anything. Maybe you had all these other issues. I'm here today to tell you, you do not need to be the victim. You are going to go places that you have never gone before because of God. Pastor, don't you have compassion for what I went through? I I do have compassion. And I want you to know that we will stand and believe with you no matter what you have experienced or known. But you must know this. We will not stay the victim. We can't be a victim when we have the victor as our Lord and Savior. He lifts us up from the miry clay. He changes us and makes us to be whole. You were meant to be a godly woman, a godly man. You were meant to be transformed. That's what conversion is all about. Hallelujah. And yet sometimes we get stuck in our Christian faith, don't we? Sometimes we know we're doing the right thing. We go through the motions, but we don't feel the same excitement that we felt when we first got born again. We don't sense anything around us of real encouragement. i got to tell you something. It's like that within any relationship. If you've been in any kind of a relationship with someone for a long time, it can begin to get boring. What do you do? Well, you know, I guess you just move on. No, 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 no. You try to figure out how to get the excitement back. How to create new life where it has become stale. You start to do things differently you start to find ways to serve and care for each other in more ways. I'm telling you this, if you are feeling stuck in your relationship with God, before you do anything else, you begin to look at your own heart and say, okay, God, I want to go where I've never gone with you before. I've experienced the good things of God. Haven't you been in a service before that are just like, oh, I don't ever want it to end? and an altar time where you just experienced something from God or you were baptized in the Holy Spirit or you were healed or something took place, you were slain in the Spirit, and it was like, do I really have to go up? I sense the presence of God. I don't want to even get up off the floor. You people all go to lunch and just leave me here in the church by myself. I want the presence of God. If you've never felt that, I'm here to tell you you can if you want it. But you must want it. You must desire it. I have fun with trying to tell you the story of my wife swimming by me and doing this. But you know what? When I knew that I loved her, I hated saying good night. Her family lived in Moline. She lived in a little molette house over there. I knew, I timed it with my watch, how long it would take to get from her driveway down 12th Avenue in Moline coming into Crosstown. And I knew how long it took to get to my mom and dad's house. Even if the lights were all red, I knew what it took. So as I would stand at the back door talking to her, "Ah." she had one neighbor on the one side that had a light that he would let his dog out at a certain time. Every time I was trying to say goodnight, a spotlight would come on me. My little Fifi was out here doing stuff. I knew when the light came on, 12 minutes was started I had so much time to say goodbye and to give her some sweet kisses and they'd be able to get in the car driving the speed limit (laughs) almost all of the time because I knew if I got home late I'd be grounded there was a reason there was a time set my mom and dad didn't meet me at the door saying oh you just had to kiss a little bit more. <laughs> relax, relax. We're trying to dad. Oh yeah, just being yeah. sweet. <laughs> no, they would have been at the door. It's 1 minute after you're grounded. I want to talk to you as we wrap this up about missed opportunities. Sometimes we're given opportunities that we don't take. I want to encourage you to step out and take some opportunities. Might it be scary? Yes. Might it be awkward? Very possible. But I want to encourage you to take the chance. If God is leading you, you can do this. I'm not sure he's leading me. I'm telling you what, if God's leading you, you can do this. Let's stand together. Worship team if you'd come. Stepping out in faith carries a risk of the unknown, but it also carries the opportunity that the miracle that you're believing for just may happen. It just may show up. And I would much rather take the chance, if I can use that word, To take the chance that the power of God is going to flow than to sit back and never take a moment and step out in faith. Walking by faith and not not by sight. It can be scary. But when you know it in your heart, you've got this thing. I'm here to tell you, with God, you've got this thing. You can do this. You can accomplish it. Let's go to prayer. Why every eye is closed in this place today, will you just take a moment look in your heart? If there's been stuff that's been trying to hinder you, and you already know it, why we're praying, I just invite you, even as you let your hands hang down, just to sort of shake them a little bit, like you're shaking that stuff off. The stuff that's been hindering you, just shake it off. Let it go. And go before God and say, Lord, I repent. I don't want anything to hold me back. I want all that you have. If you've never been on a faith adventure, if you've always lived very, very conservative, you've never stepped out, I want to encourage you today to step out with God and say, okay, Lord, you open the doors or you put me in front of it and tell me to push and I'm going to do it. I'm going to answer the will and call of God now why people are praying around you right now I'm gonna open up the altar and if you just sense God telling you to come up and take a moment to stand here we'll honor that we'll pray with you but if you need healing we'll pray with you if you need answers to prayer we'll pray with you otherwise if you just need to take a moment step out from your seat to physically come up and shake off anything that's been holding you back I encourage you to step out and do it right now in Jesus' name. If you need Christ, you've not been born again, or maybe you were and you've been backslidden and you just need to rededicate yourself to the Lord, I invite you to come on down here and let us pray over you. It's time to give up. It's time to get past those missed opportunities and carry on your Christian walk. It's time to experience everything God has. So why people are praying or singing and worshiping around you, if you need Christ, say this prayer. Say, God, forgive me of my sin. Cover me in your power and strength. Give me a new beginning. I make you Lord of my life. If that's your prayer, you've just been born again, and I invite you to come down here too. The altar is a beautiful, wonderful place just to experience the presence of God and let him touch you. So if you sense him calling, you step out. Otherwise, you take time right in your seat to honor God and say, I'm ready for a faith adventure. Would you come?